0: Hey, hi and hello, friends. Thank you so very much for listening and for downloading Maine ASCD, the podcast, uh, the podcast where we talk about whole child education in Maine and beyond. Uh, my name's Matt Druett-Card. I am the president of Maine ASCD uh, and your host for this adventure down podcasting, whatever it might be. Um, thank you so very much. We're, we're Today we're doing another spotlight of a member. Uh, we're talking to one of our a uh, past president, she, she's a past president right now, uh, but she's been with Maine A.S.C.D. for a very long time, been on the board, been a president, been just pretty much done everything for Maine AACD, Mary Bellavance, and we're gonna talk with her about, well, kind of makes her tick, what makes her go. Um, we will be at the Educate Maine Symposium on uh, December the 6th, um, 2019, if you're listening to this, if it's beyond that, well, you missed us, sorry. Um, and we are going to be there at part of the Innovation Hall, so come by, check us out, say hi and hello. Um, and we will also be uh, around in other places in 2020 to come, so you can come see us, talk to us, learn from us, learn with us, and learn about us. Um, we are also to support all of our educators across Maine and beyond. Uh, We have developed a suite of professional learning opportunities called micro-credentials. They are um, based around the whole child tenets of ASCD. Um, The tenets are healthy, safe, supported, engaged, and challenged. Um, And so if you want to become a whole child champion, you want to become a teacher, an educator who um, really understands the concepts of the whole child, if you already are applying these, share your genius. Become certified. Through the micro credentialing process, and um, it's a really easy way to do it. It's anywhere, anytime. You do it on your own. We help support you. We can help mentor in those ways. Um, and uh, go to mainascd.org uh, for more information. If you're interested, if you want to get more information, or you want to start your journey on micro credentials, there's a form right there to just to sign up and say, yeah, you know, I could do this. And I hope you will. So. Today, we're going to continue our spotlight, a member, uh, and today, Mary Bellavance. So, what, what, oh, Laura, let me start that again. This is all editable. Um,
1: Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness. That's why the other day I'm like, Matt, you can edit this, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh, and of course, my cat decided to join us right now.
1: I thought I heard a little meow.
0: Yeah. I'm sitting with my dog as well.
1: Oh, Rambo. Um,
0: nope. Nope. Different cat. I have three cats and a dog. Oh. Yeah. All right. So.
1: Is my, before we get started, sure. is my volume okay?
0: Your volume's fine. Okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll all come through in the recording. Um. Okay. So Maine ASCD has been around for a while now, uh, several years, many years. And um, for as long as at least I can remember, and I've, and I've been around for a bit now, um, there's been a rock for Maine ASCD. There's been a person there who's just kind of been wh- through, through everything. And that person, I have the extreme pleasure of talking to today. And it's the one, the only, Mary Balavance. Mary, how are you today?
1: Hey, Matt. Well, thank you. I'm doing pretty well.
0: Good. I'm glad to see you. It's a it's a, As I'm recording this, it's kind of an icy, rainy, gross day, And but I'm also sitting with my dog, and that's a nice thing.
1: That's, yeah, <laughs> that's comforting. So, Mary, why don't really uh, you,
0: yeah, she's a good girl. Um, her name is Louise, and Louise. yes, and she's looking up at me right now saying, Dad, why are you talking to someone? Just rub me. Um, so, Mary, if you could just give a, our listeners just a, a brief intro, who you are, what you do. Um, how you're affiliated with May SCD, et cetera.
1: Sure. So thanks for having me. Happy to be here. This is actually my 30th year in um, public teaching in Maine. So I've been, been around a while, uh, started teaching first grade and taught at the primary level for quite a few years and realized that I needed to get more tools in my toolbox to help the little ones learn how to read So I got my master's in literacy and have actually been out of the classroom for many years now, working as a combination literacy specialist, literacy coach, interventionist, just uh, wearing wearing a few different hats. Uh, Currently, I'm working as the literacy instructional coach at Biddeford Middle School. I've moved moved up from elementary to, to middle school and also providing some reading interventions and really loving the coaching aspect where I get to support staff every day in the, in the good work that we're doing around uh, student-centered learning and trauma-informed practices.
0: Sure. So um, coaching has become this kind of a, a burgeoning, bigger thing. It's been really growing, um, not just in the state, but you know nationally when it comes to things like. Uh, education. So um, you've been a literacy specialist, and interventionist, and now the coaching position. How have you seen that differ or change over the the, the few years you've been in education?
1: So I think for me as a coach, because I've been yeah. coaching for, for several years now in a couple of different districts. And when I first started coaching, it was, you know, you, you, coaching the teachers. And, you know, what, it, what is it that you want to to work on? You know, setting goals with, you know, from the, the teacher lens. And really with the shift has been towards student-centric coaching. And so now I'm... Really trying to you know shift my mindset and my questioning techniques because it's really around student learning. so when I meet with teachers now, we start talking about what what are some what is the student learning that we hope to uh, you know we hope to seed through to fruition in this coaching cycle, and together we talk about uh, student needs, look at the standards look at look at the student data profiles, and together we we set a, a coaching goal where I can support the teacher in a variety of different ways as a coach, but the goals are all centered around student learning, and I think that is much more impactful and effective. And also for for teachers I think uh, a little less intimidating when when they sign up to do a coaching cycle because we are we are truly you know trying to move those those students forward and that's sure. where that's where the focus is is around student centered learning
0: yeah having, well having that, that common goal and that common uh, approach of just looking at the learners first um, at least in my opinion uh, really seems to take a lot a lot of the pressure off of am I a bad teacher? Am I a great teacher? Am I, a, am I, what kind of a teacher am I? It's not about that. It's about, let's find a way to make the student learn. Everyone in here is competent. Everyone in here has high level degrees. We're going to treat you as professionals and help you, help you figure out how to get there. That's one of the benefits I see. I see of a the student centered learning model. Absolutely. So one of the reasons why I'm talking to you today, Mary, for our, our little main ASCD, the podcast venture here is you are our, uh, november twenty nineteen spotlight a member and um, you 've been part of the uh the board of directors for maine ASD for how many years now approximately
1: I, approximately i think around fifteen years i I was invited to serve as a program committee member about that many years ago and just really uh, felt like it was an organization that i that I could get behind and support mm-hmm. and Put a lot of my energy to 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 support the mission, which is to provide leadership for for customizing customizing learning for Maine educators and it's all done on behalf of the children in Maine and the students that we work with every day in our classroom. So right away, I thought, hmm, this might be a good fit. And then I just, you know, got more involved and um, served as a board member at large, and then decided I would, would try some of the leadership roles. And I think I've pretty much filled um, most of the leadership roles. of I was never the treasurer, but I served as secretary (laughs) and treasurer. Yeah, you don't want to be the you don't want me to be the treasurer, Matt.
0: <laughs> right, you don't want <laughs> me to be the treasurer like, either, let me tell you. Okay.
1: But um, moved, you know, moved through to vice president and president-elect and president and uh, now immediate past president. So it's just, um, you know, it's such good work. And I've met so many um, amazing educators in Maine who all have that, that shared goal of providing high quality professional learning experiences for for educators. On behalf of their students.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I find really actually unique um, and interesting about not just our organization, not just the organization main ASCD, but, um, but the, the, the leadership structure within it because it, it brings into a, a fold a president-elect, current president, and then a past president. So these people are in these levels of high-level leadership in the executive board for several years but they have very different roles and they have different levels of support and leadership within that. I find that, that model, um, very interesting, especially as I'm going through it and, um, also incredibly supportive. Right. So, um, part of our spotlight of members, we usually kind of have, uh, have you ask, ask and answer a few questions. And that's what we're going to go through, uh, for the rest of our time together today. And okay. thank you again for your time. So, um, what is, your one go-to resource that in 2019 going into 2020, you just can't live without
1: really the the first one that comes to mind and it's it's been on my mind for a f- few years now is is Twitter
0: <laughs> I'm a big fan of Twitter as you I know, know you
1: are I, that's I think that's how we initially connected with Twitter yeah, it was. and it's it's helped connect me with so many other passionate Educators in Maine and really all over the world and it's really you know, it's it's helped me gain a more global perspective of education and educational systems Around the world, you know, given that I have taught my you know, my whole career public schools in Maine it's been it's been really eye-opening to to learn about some of the other school structures just across the United States and, and people I've met in other countries, so.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, as a, as a, as a, it's fascinating because as a person who, you know, I'm not from Maine. I did not grow up here. Uh, I moved here, my wife and I moved here in 2004. We had lived in Oregon and New Mexico and Georgia and North Carolina before then. I'm from Connecticut and went to school in Pennsylvania. So I've been all over. I've worked and okay. lived all over the country. And one of the things that I found about Maine that was fascinating is how insular it was. And, and it can be it sometimes. Right. And that it can be a place where, I've I, I, I joked about this with friends of mine, like the slogan is the way life should be. That's really kind of an arrogant statement to make. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. But people are walking around like, no, it's the way life should be. This is just fact. So why would, so, but but it's this, it's this really strange, unique dynamic that that I've learned to love about this state. You know, I, I choose to live here because I love it here. But I think one of the things that, that I'm hearing you say in that is what Twitter and things like social media, for all of its other ills, it, yes, it has its problems. I don't want to get into politics and that whole nonsense. But One of the best things that it does is it does connect people. And uh, in the education realm, education has carved a really nice little corner out of the internet and especially in the Twitter sphere to be able to just connect to people. If you're going through something, if you have a challenge, it's entirely, it is 100% likely that someone else out there is going through the same thing. And if both of you could put it out there, you'll both connect, and help solve it together, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: It really is. And just a just a quick story. You know the yeah. connection and the collaboration. Uh, several years ago now, I don't remember how many, but uh, I was doing some literacy work and uh, connected with uh, with some colleagues through Twitter uh, in in Ohio, and we you know we kind of gravitated towards towards each other and had some, some common goals and challenges that we were working through in the literacy world. And we just, you know, we started, um, Boxer, remember Boxer? I do, yeah. Doing like Boxer chats and such. And, uh, we ended up, um, collaboratively putting in a proposal to NCTE's National Conference. And I think it was being held in Washington, DC that year. So, we got accepted. And then the night before we presented together, we met for dinner and met face-to-face before <laughs> we presented together. And it was just like this beautiful is the coolest thing.
0: <laughs> right, that's so beautiful. That, that's such a wonderful thing. Like before you, how could you possibly do anything like that? But now you could just come up with these great collaborative ideas with people all over the country, all over the world even, and never have a face-to-face meeting with them. And then you come together for the first time and you already have a starting place to have a conversation. You know, it's not like you're breaking down like all you know, those awkward social interactions, which for some of us, including myself, are absolutely terrifying. Right. But it's like, no, we already have an established relationship. We can just go from there and then see where else it up. I think that's a that's a beautiful, beautiful story and a real powerful explanation of what Twitter can do. Um, for not just professional learning but but real connection between people.
1: Yeah, really fun and you know made made some great friends along the way and just oh, yeah. whenever you reach out to the your your PLN your personal learning network and say hey, I'm looking for some research on X. You know, you get all these replies from people willing to, you know, to help you out and point you in the right direction and and in addition to the connections I feel like we're so busy and to keep up with everything and keep up with the current research, it's really challenging. So with Absolutely. Twitter, you, you have your go-to organizations that you're, that you're following, that you trust, you know that it's legit, you know, research coming from those organizations. So I have easy access to some of the most current educational uh, resources and research articles and blog posts and, uh, that are tweeted daily.
0: Yeah, and you don't have to worry about having to sort through it or vet it because it's coming from a place that you know, you trust. You've already vetted it. Correct. Yeah, that's, I I totally agree. I could go on about Twitter all day. I know. Um, So, but, so the the next question that you responded to for our Spotlight, a member, a little questionnaire thing is, which of the whole child tenets is your strongest? And for those listeners who are not completely uh, confident with the whole child tenants, they're healthy, engaged, safe, supported, and challenged. This is the ASCD whole child framework that we are adopting and using for our main ASCD affiliate. So, which is your strongest? Would you say?
1: So it's a hard question because sure. I I do believe in all in in all five and and try to implement them in in my daily practice. But this question really got me thinking a lot about the tenant of supported, and. Mm-hmm what it means through an equity lens. And so, yeah, I've been thinking, thinking about that lately. And I'm think for me, it's, it's about finding the right kind uh, and the right level of support for each student in my classroom. Because if I'm really providing equitable access to, to educational opportunities, then the the support is going to vary depending on who I'm working with at the time in my classroom. And so as an educator, it's really my responsibility to build those relationships, right? Same as with the colleagues, Make, make those personal connections with the children in my classroom, build those relationships, tap into their interests, what makes them tick, what are they really jazzed about, and then take that information and use it to help me personalize my learning for them, and the more I can personalize the learning, the more they feel engaged and supported, and it's going to foster that um, that process of hopefully deep, deeper learning, and for the children to reach their academic and or social goals in in my classroom. So. So really kind of thinking about, you know, it, it really it, it has to look different for yeah. for every child, uh, you know, you think, so, you know, support, but but really, you know.
0: There's that amazing that, book by Rick Wormley, Fair Isn't Always Equal.
1: Of course. Of right. Course. And,
0: and that is one of those things that is exactly that. Like We, we think that if we treat everyone equally, then we're being fair. That's right. how my that's how my kids see it. I have an eleven-year-old and a six-year-old. And my six-year-old's like, Well, no, she gets to stay up late. That's not that's not fair. I'm like, no, it's completely fair. She can handle it. That's right. She's developmentally and, more able to, you're not. But you know. That's
1: right. and but that but, but that earth. idea
0: that's uh, sorry, that idea has pervaded us into our adult lives as well. And we create these systems that are more based on equality, that are based on equity, and is that really the best thing for all the people? Right.
1: So I've really been thinking about that and and what, what does it really look like? Yeah. What does support look like for, for each, each student in my classroom and taking that, you know, again, applying my coaching, or wearing putting on my coaching hat for a minute. I have that same unique opportunity to support teachers with the work of educating the whole child, but how, what does my support look like with, in the coaching realm. Well, just like we talked about earlier in this, in this uh, podcast that we're setting individual goals with the teachers, you know, centered around student learning, but, but a goal that's going to support the teacher and, and the students in one classroom. It's not, it's not going to be valuable to the next teacher and his or her learners. So again, thinking about that support and, and, and making sure that everybody gets what they need.
0: Right, couldn't agree with you more, Mary. I'm I'm right on board. So, um, because I don't wanna take up too much of your time, I'm gonna wrap this up. Your final question that you answered for our Spotlight A Member thing that we're doing these days, what are you currently reading or listening to?
1: So, I'm reading, the book by Nancy Fry, Doug Fisher, and Dominique Smith, well, they've, they've written many books, but they're, yeah, they have. yeah, I don't know how they do it, but their newest book, All Learning, is social and emotional, and we're actually, uh, we're going to, as in our district, we're going to be having a, a book study in January, I think it is where we have about 30, 30 colleagues coming together k to twelve to to discuss this book so so i 'm reading it now, and for anybody you know interested in delving in deeper to a whole child approach to education, I mean this book is spot on and really reminds me of the um, you know the notion that social emotional learning it's it's not one more thing that we have to add to our plate as educators, right. but it's really it's part it's part of the meal, and yeah. how do we how do we be intentional with our instruction so we are embedding social emotional learning throughout our academic classes and this book gives a lot of great strategies and techniques and ideas for educators. Well,
0: that's one of the things that's kind of been a, a- is and will be, I'm sure, a recurring theme on this podcast and for our work with Maine AACD is that all too often, uh, educational systems, school boards, even the DOE, they focus on that challenged piece. They focus on the academics, 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 academics. But what this is talking about right here, and we've said this before, we'll probably see you'll hear it again for you intrepid listeners. You can't get to the Blooms until you do the Maslows. Right. You can't get to the cognitive before you make sure that your environment, your, your your classroom, the way that your approach is, that your students are feeling safe and that there's a healthy approach to it, that they are supported as well. Then you can get to the engaged and the challenged portion. You can get to that level of academic rigor, but you just can't get there until you address those other things. If we try to force the cognitive, the academic stuff through, Without addressing those things, well, that's when behaviorism, that's when behavior problem starts. That's when um, disengagement happens. That's when our students start saying defiantly, no, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to, I don't believe in it, I don't know why. Because they're not feeling safe, they're not feeling respected, they're not feeling like they're part of it. So I think that this, this whole idea of all learning is social emotional is, is, is spot on and needs to be really looked at at a lens beyond just, you know, K-8, K-5, but all the way up through K-12 and beyond.
1: Right. And, you know, I just want to say, too, kudos to, as we say, Big A-S-C-D, but we they launched the Whole Child Approach many years ago yeah. and you know and now it's of course you know be a nice shot in the arm being reignited with with all of the work that um and research that is coming out around uh, social emotional learning in the classroom and and how to foster the the conditions uh for children to to learn the the cell skills but you know ascd was i mean they were on it years ago and and for, you know, a publishing company, like you said, we're thinking, you know, a lot of academic books that come out of the, the house, but, but still, you know, still understood that it, it starts with the child and that their, their basic needs have to be met before the academic learning can, can flourish.
0: Well, Mary, thank you for taking the time again to talk with us today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mary Bellavance. The November 2019 Spotlight a member for Maine ASCD. Thanks a lot, Mary.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. Have a great day. You too. Thanks.
0: Thank you so very much for downloading, subscribing, and of course, listening to Maine ASCD, the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Maine ASCD. That's at M A I N E A S C D. Follow Mary Bellavance at Mary Bellavance, M-A-R-Y-B-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-C-E. You can follow me at Matt Druett Card, at Druett Card, at D-R-E-W-E-T-T-E-C-A-R-D. Also, make sure you go to our website, www.mainascd.org for information about our organization, about us, for information on how to become a whole child champion and to become a member, only $40 a year. It's really, it's very inexpensive. And what you get out of it is tons of members-only resources for things in social emotional learning, trauma-informed schools, uh, rigorous achievement, etc. Lots of really great resources, plus discounts to conferences from our New Hampshire ASCD affiliate friends to our micro-credential suite uh, and lots of other things. So uh, if you're, if you want to join our membership, sorry, uh, go to our website, follow us on Twitter, follow us individually, and thanks again for listening. Bye.